Uh, we're still talking about discipleship. Between now and the end of the year, probably, we're, we're going to be talking about discipleship and what that looks like. And there's, a, there's a huge difference between saying, well, hey, I'm a Christian. Well, that's awesome. But are you a disciple? There's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. There's a lot of people that believe in Christ. And, and we see it. We see it on television and sports and Hollywood and everything else. And, and people will, will give honor. I want to give honor to my Lord and Savior. And, and that's wonderful. That's awesome. But, but then sometimes, and, and they may be in the spotlight, some of the lifestyle they may be portraying is, is not lining up with the Word of God. And I don't say that out of judgment. I say that out of data, <laughs> speaking data. Here's the Word of God. Here's their lifestyle, right, <laughs> over here. Uh, that describes me some days, to be honest, and probably describes every single one of us. And, and part of it is within our, our Western modern culture, we have really trained the church to produce a lot of believers. You know, we have big crusades, we have big rallies, and we have, you know, every, every year churches and organizations will say, hey, we had X number of people make a decision for Christ this year. That's awesome. And, and that doesn't need to stop. We, we, need, we need to bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus. But so that's wonderful that, that we have believers. But the Bible didn't say, the Great Commission didn't say to go out into all the world and make believers or make churches or, or make organizations and crusades. Nothing wrong with all of this. There's wonderful tools. But the Great Commission was go out and make disciples of all men, of all nations, right? And so, so that's what we are learning about. The, going into this year, one of the things, this coming year, one of the, the, the words that God spoke to me was uh, for Gathering Church, uh, the, the term that he used was, uh, was raising babies, well, what, what, it, what I meant, what, what I believed he meant by that was making disciples and, and taking believers and, and learning. We, we've been on a journey of not just believing in Christ, but we've been on a journey of learning how to believe Christ. There's a big difference in that, to believe in the Word of God or to believe the Word of God, right? And, and now we're learning that there's a big difference in being a believer and being a disciple. And we're going to take a look at what that is. A little quick review. If you weren't here last week, I do encourage you to go to our, our archives on gatheringviridian.org. Uh, you can go to services and you'll find uh, an archive of, of sermons and, and uh, services from pretty much since our existence over the last six years. But I do encourage you to go back and listen to part one and... and uh, this dialogue that we're having. So this is a little bit of a review from last week. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Amplified says this. This is Jesus talking. So Jesus said to those Jews who had what? Believed, believed in him. So they were believers. These were folks that believed in Christ. Then he used this word, if. Everyone say if. Yeah. That means there's a condition. <laughs> say, well, God's love is unconditional. Absolutely. His love is unconditional. His salvation is unconditional. You, you, you have faith in him. Discipleship, there are conditions on it. A lot of his blessings are conditional. His love is unconditional. His blessings, he said, hey, if you'll do this, if you'll obey this, if you'll abide in this way, then I will bless you. Same thing with discipleship. So to the Jews who were believers already, he said, if you 
You abide in my word. All of you abide in your homes. You don't just hang outside of it and look at the door and say, look how awesome that door is and look how wonderful this house is. You, you go and abide in it. You live in it. And that's what he's inviting us to do with his word. If you abide in my word, in other words, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So you will know Christ. You'll know his word. That word know in the Greek is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And it means knowledge with experience, experiential knowledge. In other words, you will know the truth not just because you read it in God's word and say, well, there, there, there's the truth. I, I understand theologically what's going on. You will know the truth because you've experienced the truth. You will know his word, not just because you've read it, but because you've experienced it. Isn't that phenomenal? I got to do that just this week. His word says, and I've read it, I've quoted it. Philippians chapter four says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory, right? We can all quote it. I believe it, it's a promise. If I have a need, If I'm walking with the Lord, if I have faith in him, because he doesn't lie, right? If I have a need, he will supply it. Now, I can read it and say, look, I know it because he said it. Or I can stand here and say, I know it because I've experienced it in my life over and over and over. Many of you have too. Those of you who've walked with me for the last almost half decade will will know how God has met my needs (laughs) massively. But even just this week, I'll share this with you. How, how have I known the truth experientially this week? And I, I'll say this as, as a testimony to God's goodness and, and the word that he had a study for a few weeks about seed, the nature of a seed. Those of you who've been here for, a few, for the last month or so. Uh, last August, the Lord gave me a word going into the season of my life to believe for the hundredfold in my life. He said he gave me Matthew 9.29. And Jesus said, let it be done according to your faith. He was healing uh, blind, two blind men. And they, they wanted to be healed. He said, do you think, do you believe I can heal you? And they said, yeah. He said, then let it be done according to your faith. But that's the word he gave me when I asked him, if you remember the parable about the sower was sowing seed and some of the seed fell on good soil, but even on the good soil, some reaped 30 fold, 60 fold, a hundred fold, Right. And I said, well, if it's good soil, how come not everyone reaped a hundredfold? And he took me to Matthew 9, 29. Let it be done according to your faith. He said, not all, not all of my children will believe me for a hundredfold. I'll do what you believe me for. And he said, how much you want to believe for me? I said, I want to believe a hundredfold. And he said, all right. And then I said, oh, no. Because <laughs> I knew he was going to give me opportunity to believe for the hundredfold, right? Which means wonderful tests. So uh, long story short, here I am, uh, uh, had fun, happy, happy uh, rotator cuff surgery, right? Uh, now, I've seen God heal instantly. I've, I've, I've seen, I've been in prayer meetings where blind eyes were open, literally. I've seen cancer fall off of people's body. I, my, I have a niece who had brain cancer at eight years old. The doctor sewed her up, said, nothing else we can do. We give her three months, and yet 
she's 32 years old, cancer-free. God healed her, right? I've seen the healing power of God. So I have every ounce of faith. He could have healed my shoulder just like that. And I wouldn't have had surgery. He didn't do it. Why? Because, well, there, there must have been something I needed to experience. There needed to be some truth. I needed to know. I needed to gnosis, right? I needed to experience truth. So when it came time for me to pay my part, right? Insurance, praise God for insurance. My out of pocket. So, all right, Dave, $8,000. Now, so for some folks, that's small fry. To Dave folk, that's a lot of money. <laughs> right? and, and so I've, but I've learned enough. Lord, you said, according to your word, you'll supply my need according to your riches and glory. So as I'm handing the lady the card at Baylor Scott and White and, and uh, Trophy Club, I'm handing her, I wouldn't let go of it. And she's pulling <laughs> and I look up. I literally, I look up and I grin, I kind of laugh. I said, this is what I said. I, I thought I can either panic or I can trust them. And so I laughed. I said, I'm so glad you're going to pay for this because you know I don't have this in my earthly accounts. And I gave her the card. She looked at me like I needed to be admitted for more than just my rotator cuff, right? And she, <laughs> she swiped it, all that. Uh, didn't think anything about it till last Sunday night. I'm taking a little time because I, I, I want to build some faith for you guys before we progress with this. Everyone all right? So y'all going to get turkey later on this week, so give me some time. Uh, <laughs> that's right, the Ghibli gravy too. That's good. Man, y'all got me hungry this week. Uh, so uh, uh, last Sunday night, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night. Shoulder was actually kind of bothering me. It does every now and then to let you know, hey, there, you know, you remember there's four screws in your shoulder, right? So, so it's, uh, it kind of lets me know every now and then. Uh, so I woke up, was uh, uh, just trying to get, you know, was restless, got to thinking about that $8,000, and I, saw, I figured God needed some help, right? And so I said, you know, God, I, I don't mind, you know, I was bivocational for a lot of years. I can go get a little part-time job or whatever, and he said, and I felt like God said, do what? You know, I did television production for over 25 years. Well, I don't want to do that because that's not part-time. You get sucked into that vortex, man. You're working, right? It's either feast or famine with that, but... Uh, I said, I don't, you know, some piddly little job. Like, I'll go work at Taco Casa, Taco Cabana, man. I like to cook. I'll make tacos and burritos for people. I'll love on the people working there. And, and just, you know, a few hours a week and in six months, we can knock this out, right? And he said, they're not going to hire you. And I said, why? And he said, you only got one arm. <laughs> and he said, you can't make a burrito with one arm. <laughs> and I said, well, I can try, you know, uh, uh, Amazon needs those old, uh, those freelance drivers to drive their own car. And he goes, they're not going to hire you. Can't lift. Doctors ain't letting you lift stuff, man. He said, you got any other genius ideas? I said, no, sir. He said, well, good. Then go to sleep. And once you do what I've told you to do these last several years, just trust me. I said, you're right. So I did. I was able to go back to sleep. Didn't think anything about it. That was last Sunday night. Monday, Monday afternoon, we're minding our own business, doing our own family thing. Ring of the doorbell. There's an envelope on my front door, on my front porch, and it's addressed to Pastor Dave. And I wouldn't have accepted it, well, the contents of it, had it not been Matthew 9.29 was written on it, which was the verse that I've been standing on for the season of my life. 
Let it be done according to your faith. Be it done unto you according to your faith. Open it up. There was a check for $9,000. Tuesday morning, my surgery was paid for. My needs were met. So I stand here saying this. I can tell you if you abide in his word, you will experientially know the truth. I know Philippians 4 is true, not just because I read it on the pages of my Bible, but because I have lived it. That's what discipleship is about. You get to not just read the word, but you encounter it and experience it. You can experience Isaiah 53 that talks about by your stripe, by his stripes, you are healed. You can experience that healing. You can, matter of fact, I had a thousand dollars left over. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? He said, that's seed. I gave you seed. I didn't just bless. He's the God of more than enough. So he already told me how to sow it, right? You have a need, sow a seed. So there you go. Let's, let's move on here. I've taken too much time on that, that particular one. Matthew 10, 24, Jesus says this, a disciple is not above his teacher. In other words, he's saying, you're not going to get ahead of me now. <laughs> if you're going to be my disciple, you're not going to get ahead of me. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. How many grew up in church and heard, well, you, you can never be like Jesus. Now, Jesus, you can never be like Jesus. He's He's who we try to pattern ourselves up, but you can never be like, not according to Jesus. He said, if you're my disciple, you can be like, that's pretty powerful stuff. If you're his disciple, you can be like him. The problem is a lot of us that that's, that's kind of not even exciting because we think of Jesus in terms of all the movies, you know, that he's just kind of floating around, you know, and, and speaking softly or whether or not Jesus is passionate. Jesus was powerful. He didn't just speak to people. He spoke to things, didn't he? And he called the things that aren't as though they were. The gospel of Luke records that, that conversation like this. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is what? Perfectly trained, huh? Will be like his teacher. So discipleship, there's some training that we're talking about. The Amplified says it this way, a pupil is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, when he is completely trained, which is readjustment. Anyone need a readjustment in here? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, chiro <laughs> chiropractic care. Is that what? <laughs> chiropractic care will preach <laughs> when you get things in alignment, right? There's some, there's some healing that takes place. There's some life that takes place. When, when you start aligning yourself with that word, readjustment, restored, set to rights. Do you realize you have some rights in the kingdom of God that, that you need to understand what those rights are so that you can live it out? But you can't unless you start understanding what it takes to be a disciple. Perfected. Who needs to be restored and perfected? Man, sign me up for that. So that he'll be like his teacher when he is completely trained. Now, when we're talking about disciple, we're going to talk about that training here in a second. The training of discipleship. Actually, hang on one second. I'm missing something. Let's see if I can back it up. There we are. Real quick, as a reminder, if you were here last week, as a reminder, if, you're, if, you're, if you weren't, uh, hopefully this is 
good information for you. When we're talking about disciple, we're not talking about the modern uh, principle of, oh, you have a teacher and you have a student. It goes far more than that. It's disciple. It's more of an Eastern concept. In the, in the Bible, when, when a, a rabbi had a disciple, the disciple basically lived with him, observed everything he did, but not just the way he thought, the way he taught. He observed his mannerisms, the way he poured his coffee, the way he combed his hair, the way he brushed out his beard or whatever. Right? I mean, and, and so folks could tell who you were a disciple of by the way you acted and looked and the way you talked. And, and it comes from the Greek word methetis, which actually is derived from the Greek word math. So math is a Greek word, actually, that means the mental effort it takes to think something through, which makes a lot of sense because math for me in school took a ton of mental effort to think it through. Uh, so in other words, if you're going to be a disciple, that means that someone who, if you are a disciple, you have taken a lot of mental effort to think this through. And we'll get to that in a second. It means a learner or a follower. The Vines Dictionary, uh, uh, Biblical Dictionary would say it this way. A disciple was not only a learner, but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teacher. So here we are. The training of discipleship. This is what Paul has to say about discipleship. And our modern, our modern concept is, oh, well, I'm a believer. So that means that I come to church at least once a week. Check. Maybe attend a Bible study, check. Maybe even attend a discipleship class if I get really deep into it, check. Occasionally pop over, listen to Christian radio, check. Uh, stop voting this way, I'm going to start voting that way, check, <laughs> right? Uh, stop supporting this, I'll support that, check. You know, it's, it's almost like this basic sense of, of things. And then, and then when the storms of life hit, you know, people fall all over the place. They'll leave one church, hop to another church. They'll leave all churches altogether, you know, and, and yet it's, but we're, disciples are supposed to be, it's a lifestyle, right? So look at, look at what Paul talks about, how he's talking about discipleship. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, so run, he's talking about this, this, this race of faith or this journey of faith. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So how are you to live for God? As if you, as if you want to be the winner, as if you want to be the champion. You got to have that kind of determination. He says, everyone who competes in the games, what is he talking about? He's talking about the Olympics back then. He's, he's, he's chatting with uh, uh, Corinth, which was predominantly a Greek uh, congregation. He says, he says, everyone competes in the games, uh, who competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Especially back then, they didn't have gold, silver, bronze medals. They had laurels, you know, little crowns made of leaves and stuff. And two days after you've won that race that you trained your whole life for, it's gone, it's dead, Right? And he's saying, that, but the crown that we get is, a, is eternal. But he's comparing being a disciple and having a Christian walk to having a, a strict training regiment. Any, anyone remember uh, the swimmer, Phelps? Was, uh, Michael. Michael Phelps, thank you. Michael Phelps. 
when he first came on the scene and was just blowing everyone away and winning medal after medal after medal, and all of a sudden he started appearing on talk shows. Anyone remember? He was really quirky and awkward. Like socially, he just was different. Like he, he didn't know how to act around people. And it turns out his whole life, he didn't have like a normal childhood because he would wake up in the morning and he would swim and he'd go to school and get out of school and he would swim and then he'd go home, eat dinner, do homework, sleep, repeat it. On weekends, he'd go swim. That's what he did. He trained, he swam, he trained, he swam. He, he didn't partake of what most of society partook of. Even at a young age, he had to watch what he ate. It was all about being a top athletic performer. And it paid off. Man, that guy was winning. He looked like Mr. T. He had so much chain around him, right? That's what Paul is talking about, having this massive, just a consistent regimen of walking with the Lord, trusting with the Lord, getting into his word, talking with him, dwelling on him, abstain. Mike, you think Mike, how many, how many days do you think Michael Phelps wanted to like sit on the couch and eat potato chips? And yet he probably didn't, right? In, in other words, he abstained from some things that were going to get in the way of him receiving the crown. And as Christians, we got to live that kind of lifestyle. That sometimes there are some things we need to abstain from. Say, well, it's not going to send me to hell. That's not the point of it. It's going to keep you from getting the victor's crown. Verse 26, he says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. He's saying there's, there's purpose to my walk with God. There's purpose to my faith. He says, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's not talking about self-infliction of, you know, there are some folks within religions that will inflict pain on themselves or kneel on beads or all that. There, there's, we're not talking about penance and all that. He, what he is saying, he's giving metaphor of, you know, just like uh, uh, any of you who may be into working out daily, you know, you see someone who's, who's, who's pretty ripped and in athletic shape. That means that they, they are whipping their body. They're getting their body up early in the morning to go to the gym, train day after day after day, even when they don't feel like it. When their body is saying to stay in bed, it's so comfortable. They're like, nope, <laughs> they, they are whipping their body making it submissive. Now, Paul's saying, I'm doing it so that after I get through preaching with you, I don't disqualify myself by going, I'm not going to sit up here and talk about being a trained Olympic athlete, and then y'all going to see me at the pizza parlor after church. That's what he's saying, right? In other words, I am, I am making sure I'm walking the walk and talking the talk, right? So he, now look at in 2 Timothy chapter 2, what he compares discipleship to. You, therefore, my son, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's really interesting because now there's a, this trend that's been around for probably about 20 years, 30 years in the church uh, when grace was rediscovered in the body of Christ. And so folks use it as a license to go do whatever they want to do, right? And they say, hey, I live in the grace. I don't live under legalism anymore. 
all those rules and regulations of, that the church put on us for years. No, it's grace. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. And yet at the same time, we see folks waffle around and as soon as the storms of life come, man, they fall off the boat, right? Yeah, here's Paul saying, be strong in grace. You want to live in grace? That's awesome. Be strong in it. In other words, just because you're in grace doesn't mean that you don't need to learn to say no to some things. Be strong. Be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. You, therefore, must endure hardship. What? Man, I thought God wants to bless us. He is. He does bless you. Jesus said, in this world, there will be trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. <laughs> the very thing that contains you. In other words, you're going to go through hardship. And Paul's saying, as a disciple, you've got to endure it. You can't just flake out and turn away from God. You can't get upset. I'm going through a hard time. I've been praying for something, and it's not come to pass. I'm done. And then you stay home, and you pout, and you won't come around to other fellowship. You won't talk to other Christians. You mope, all that stuff. That, no, God's he's saying, you got to endure hardship as a what? As a good soldier. Have you ever looked at your walk with God in the same way as a soldier? What kind of training does a soldier have to go through to prep for war? What kind of uh, discipline does a soldier have to maintain to be in top form? And he says this, he goes, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. I guarantee you, if you're in the foxhole and you got the enemy shooting at you and you're trying to take cover and you're trying to figure out if you can call in an airstrike to help you and they're saying, nope, we don't have anyone we can send and you, you're trying to get your men out of there. The last thing you're worried about is that so-and-so called you a bad name the other day and hurt your feelings, right? <laughs> the last thing you're worried about is Man, I hope my wife remembers to rotate those tires. <laughs> the affairs of the world. In other words, we, we allow the, the affair. Jesus said in one parable said that they're like thorns that come up. The affairs of life are like thorns that come up and choke out the word. Well, he's saying, you know, a disciple, a disciple is trained like a soldier. You're not, you're going to have to deal with some hardship. You got to deal with the affairs of life, but you're not going to let it interfere. Why? Because you're in the middle of a war. You're in the middle of a battle. And he says, no one, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. We know who, who have we been enlisted by our Lord. We want to please him. Amen. And it is war. Who are we warring against? say, well, we're warring against the devil. Well, the devil's already a defeated enemy. The Bible says, resist the devil. He'll flee. I'm warring against me. Most of the time, I'm the biggest enemy I have. And I'm. The Bible says that, that the, the mind is the battlefield. It's our thought life. There's a war that goes on some weeks in my head. I have thoughts contrary to the word of God. Amen. And it's a battle. And I can't let the things of this life, even though I've got to deal with them, even though I've got to take care of them, even though I've got to address them, I can't let them knock me off guard. Why? Because I'm in war and I want to please my commanding officer. And he says, and he goes back to talking about athletes. And also, if anyone competes in, ath in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul is comparing the training of a disciple to being a fine-tuned Olympic athlete or a special ops disciplined soldier. 
regardless how you want to look at it, the point he's trying to get across is discipline. There's got to be a daily time with the Lord. A day, I'm not saying you got to spend hours on end with him. I'm not saying, but there should be, we, we live in a time that it is easier than ever to get a hold of the word of God in the information age. God, you know, with all the wrong that the internet has brought, one of the, one of the most searched things in, on the internet is the Bible. Isn't that awesome? More people have more access to the word of God because of today's technology. And in an instant, you can find scripture. Say, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. Google scriptures concerning depression. You'll get 120 scriptures pop up just like that. Start reading through until one pops out at you. In other words, it's, if there should be a time that it's been more convenient to be a disciple, it's the day that we're living in. You know, we, we, can't, we can't afford to not, not have a day that we don't talk to him, that we don't spend some time with the Lord in prayer, that we don't spend some time with the Lord and, and, you know, man, between all the various versions of the Bible that's out now, all the various devotions that are out now, uh, the apps that are out now, man, we, it, it takes, so well, I know it just, you know, I, I, I just, things, things, things kind of pile up on me. I forget about it. You know, we do the things we want to do in life and that's really the, the truth of it, Right. You know, you're, everybody's going to eat good on Thanksgiving. Why? Because we want to eat good on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, we're going to make it happen. No matter what, no matter what family drama goes on, no matter which aunt surprises you and drops in with all of her crazy kids, no matter what, you're going to make sure there's dinner. Why? Because I'm, I'm having me some dinner, right? We need to be like that <laughs> really with our walk with God. No matter how crazy the day is, I am spending some time with God. Before I go to bed, I, I will make sure I spend some time with God. I will make sure I spend some time in his word. I'll get something. I'll, I'll, I'll nibble on two scriptures if I got to. It's, it's discipline. Matter of fact, I'll put a plug in for this because it's probably in a few weeks. Isaac, you're probably going to start the next round, aren't you? It's usually in the middle of December, right? That you do this? Yes. All right, about a week and a half. Every year, for the last umpteen years, Isaac has started a tradition to get as many people to read the Bible from, from cover to cover, from Genesis through maps, right, as they say, <laughs> uh, on, but, but on the Bible app. And, and so he, I don't know how many people you got that, that, that are connected with you, like this, this year, how many people do you have? So he had somewhere around 70 folk, upward of 70 folk, join him. And every day, you, get to, you, you read so much, and, and you can leave comments. You can say, hey, this is what I got out of today. This, and, and it motivates you. That way, you got a whole group of people that you're reading with, right? And sometimes if you fall behind, you get to read in everyone's comments. Everyone's getting so much out of the Word of God that they, they, they want to catch back up. So if you're interested in doing that, it's powerful. It's powerful to read through the Bible in a year. Talk, talk to Isaac. He'll get you plugged in. You, you can join his group, okay? That, that can be part of your discipline. So let's talk real quick about the cost of discipleship. Everyone still okay? You still with me? 
the number one reason, now we're, we're about to go into a brand new year, which means we're going to have lots of New Year's resolutions, right? Which means we're going to have a lot, lots of failure. <laughs> sorry, just, just sorry, not sorry on it. But we're, we're going to have a lot of goals that don't get met. And you know, in reality, the number one reason why most of these goals will not be met because people really don't count how much it's going to cost them to achieve that goal, right? And then they're not willing to pay the price. I'll be honest, the reason why Pastor Dave has struggled up and down all of his adult life with his weight, I go from cuddly to really cuddly, (laughs) back down to cuddly, right? Is because... I'll be honest, and I can't. I can blame it on anything I want, but the reality is this: Pastor Dave isn't always willing to pay the price. I know what the cost is. The cost is pizza when I want to eat pizza. <laughs> cheesecake. Life is too short not to eat some cheesecake, man. You know, I, I know a preacher that, that he's praying that he lives to be 120 because, you know, the Bible says that the, 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 the days of man can be up, up, upwards of 120 after the flood. God said that. And, and so he lives a very healthy lifestyle. Eats a lot of broccoli. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to live to 120 if I can't have some cheesecake. <laughs> but... <laughs> And I know, I know nowadays there's like all these, well, you know, this company, Weight Watchers has their pizza that you can, it's only this many calories, or this company has this low carb, this version of, or these, you know, this company's got their, their low cal enchiladas. And let me tell you what, low cal, healthy pizza, enchiladas, all that stuff tastes like. Regret. I tried it all. It tastes like regret. I regret that I even tried to lose weight. (laughs) This is what Jesus had to say, and we read part of it last week, but we're going to read the whole thing today. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, all right, he got everybody's attention, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Man, that's harsh. Now, by hate, he's not saying you got to like, I hate you, mom. You know, Uh, he's not saying that. It's 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 the phraseology is is similar to uh, 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 Jacob loved Rachel and hated Leah. Well, he didn't hate Leah. He had a whole lot of babies by Leah. Right? So he didn't hate her. He just loved Rachel more. Right? Uh, uh, the, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters because he'll love one and hate the other. He's not saying you're going to literally, I love you and I hate you. Well, why would you serve that master if you hate it? Right? In other words, you're going to love one more than the other. And that's why he was saying you can't serve, you can't serve God and money is what he was saying in, in that phrase. Why? Because you're going to love one more than you're going to love the other. And, and uh, there's nothing wrong with money. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not, not money, but the love of it. 
We're to love God and we're to trust him with our finances. So that's what he's saying. He's saying in comparison, you've got to love me. I've got to come before mama, daddy, brother, sister, wife, children. And that's hard. Being a disciple sometimes gets in the way of family relationships. You know, there's, there's sometimes mama and daddy don't like it that all of a sudden their, their child has become so entrenched in their faith. Sometimes kids don't like it. When mom, well, I, I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and I remember getting, I'll, I'm old, so I'll just say it, I, getting stuck with a teenager. <laughs> That's a horrible way of saying it, right? Getting stuck with a teenager whose parents found Jesus. Their parents had been out on, you know, laid out on drugs for years, alcohol. All of a sudden, they find Jesus. They get set free. And woo, they're free, and they're happy, and they're joyous. Now this teenager, this 14-year-old, is not happy because he's getting drugged to church. And nobody asked him about this. He, like mom and daddy, strung out because he could go off and do whatever he wanted to do. Now all of a sudden, they're like laying down rules and structure and love in the house, and he's not so sure about this. And so God said, I got just the youth basher for you. Hey, Dave, <laughs> I want you to meet this young man. I got saved three times trying to pastor that young man. <laughs> I'm just going to say that because <laughs> I had to repent every time. <laughs> so he says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Woo, let me tell you something. It's easy to try to fix everyone else's problems. But all my problems absolutely belong to me. Oh, well, but so-and-so did this to be so-and-so, but the way I feel and respond and act and think about it is all mine. And that's my cross. Jesus carried a cross, so he said, pick up your cross and follow me. But the wonderful thing about it, we get to be like Jesus. Jesus died to his cross and was put in a tomb and was resurrected. We get to die out to our mess and die out to ourselves, and we're resurrected into a new creature, one that resembles him. Then he goes on to say, oh, wait, 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 there we go, but don't begin, don't, don't begin this discipleship thing until you count the cost. There it is. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might, completely, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. <coughs> Every time you drive by that car wash on Trinity and Collins, I want you to visualize that was a symbol of a lot of Christians. <laughs> I don't know what the backstory was, but it was originally going to be what? I don't know. Was it Susie's car wash? What was it? Katie's car wash. And I don't know what it is now. This is really generic supercar wash or something. <laughs> Apparently Katie, I don't know. I'm assuming she just didn't count the cost. And it laid there for a long time. Another, and, and a lot of people had a lot of opinions on next door <laughs> about it, which was fine with me because it got them off our back and it got them off of uh, Bob and Howard's back for a while. They were complaining about the car wash. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> Howard says, oh, but they come back. <laughs> they always come back. It's verse 30, they would say there's a, there's a person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Then let's look at, it says, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send out a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Check out verse 33. Jesus is pretty, he's pretty hardcore. So you cannot become my disciple without, unless you want to be my disciple, you need to attend church every Sunday. If you want to be my disciple, you got to make sure you graduate from the cemetery. Seminary, seminary. What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? Freudian slip. <laughs> you graduate. You need to be my disciple. You need to make sure you memorize 20 scriptures a month. And he says, you can't be my disciple without giving up everything you own. In other words, you get to a place where you say, all of this came from you anyway, God. It belongs to you. It's yours. You say, man, that's a lot. You lose everything. Oh, but you gain everything. Because all of a sudden, when God gets crazy on you and says, hey, by the way, that car you just paid off, I want you to give it to so-and-so. You get to a point where you say, okay, <laughs> and you do it. Why? Because, you know, he's about to bless you with something more. He just made room for something more in your life. Or when he says, hey, I know you really like living where you're living, but you are aware that I'm calling you to uh, Delaware. Anyone from Delaware here by chance? <laughs> I'm just making sure. That was just like the most boring place I could think of in the moment, right? It just seems, it just seems boring. I don't know. I've never been there. I could be wrong. But I'll be honest, you can get to a place in your life where you're like, all right, Lord, let's do it. If there's nothing fun in Delaware, we're going to make it fun. Let's go. And then he's going to have a job for you to do. In other words, when your life becomes his, you gain everything. Trust me. It, why? Because you don't just know the word because you read it. You start knowing it because you start encountering it. And you start spending more time with him. You start becoming like him. Can you find a time that Jesus was ever depressed? Can you find a time that Jesus was ever scared? Oh, he, now, he got a little nervous in his flesh in the garden of Gethsemane, right? But, but you, you can't be too hard on him. He was about to be crucified. <laughs> I think any, any human would... He, he was 100% God, but he was 100% human. Yeah, but even through that battle, he still submitted to the word, not my will, but thy will be done. Have you ever known Jesus say, well, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I got to go around and be sweet all the time. No, you don't. Jesus got mad. He tore the church up. He got mad. <laughs> Kicked over tables, set all these animals free in the church house. Birds and goats, everything running like crazy. Uh, matter of fact, Jesus told off super religious folk. Told them off embarrassed him. 
He was a fun guy. <laughs> but you get to be like him. The most of all, he said, hey, I only do what the Father tells me. He had a direct link to the Father. Guess what? So do you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will only speak to you what the Father says. Isn't that awesome? So that's the payoff. Man, it seems like it's, you know, I got to have discipline. I got to, you know, I got to have some kind of a structure. I got to have, you know, what does that look like? I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And we're going to pray about what it looks like for us as a church. But going into this next year, pray, Lord, what would you have me do daily? I've got a routine I do daily every morning when I get up for, for my prayer time and my, my, my prayer and meditation and study time. I've, I've got just certain things that the Lord has me do to, to start my day off. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like doing it every day. I wish I could tell you, hey, I'm a pastor, so it's easy for me. But it's not. Sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Sometimes I don't feel, I love being in full-time ministry. Some days I don't feel like doing ministry. Are we all right? Can I share one last quick story and then we're going to end? Y'all getting nervous? So <laughs> Ryan's getting nervous. I know the Cowboys play at noon. Everyone relax. Well, I'll have you out in time to see your precious Cowboys. Hey. That's what I'm saying right here. <laughs> I've got my jersey because I'm getting ready for next year's training camp. When Dak goes down, I'm going to be ready. That's why I got my jersey. No. <laughs> so, uh, 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 last Saturday, last Saturday, we, we, uh, uh, was it last Saturday, Ron? When did, when did we go? Last, last Saturday. Yeah. No, one yesterday. It uh, threw me off for a second. Last Saturday, we went and took turkey orders. So those of you who are going to be able to help with the turkey drop, we, you're going to be f filling the orders that we took. Now, um, Mission Arlington, we love Mission Arlington. So there's not throwing any shade at Mission Arlington. But we, I'm just going to be, like, we're family, so I'm going to be honest. For a month, we've been saying, hey, can you confirm which apartment complex you want us to go collect turkey orders from? Because we have to promote it to our church so that we can make sure we got plenty of volunteers. Right? That's how these things work. Well, yeah, we'll get with you. We'll get with you. Well, they never did. Now, I understand. They got a million other things going on. And so it was the Wednesday, Wednesday staff meeting, and we'd promote it next Saturday, turkey orders to be determined, because <laughs> we didn't know. Staff meeting Wednesday, we still didn't know. And so I got frustrated. Is that all right? Does that make you nervous that your pastor gets frustrated at humans, right? I wasn't frustrated at anyone. I'm, man, we love Tilly, right? Tilly's awesome. But I was just frustrated that... How are we going to get volunteers if we don't have information? So I was like, you know what? Hey, look, we're just going to do this. Anyone who wants to help deliver turkeys, they always need people to deliver turkeys, not just to an apartment that we've done. Just anyway, we'll just, we're just going to do that. With, with, we're, going, we're going to tell the church that. If you want to help deliver turkeys, just go up to Mission Arlington on, on, on Thanksgiving Day. They'll, they're going to hook you up, and you can deliver as many as you want. Glory to God. And, and staff said, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Because we were all just kind of like, man. Yeah, by the time staff meeting ends, we get a phone. Hey, we have the information for you, <laughs> right? Which, so there was this mass, hey, we're going to do this if anyone can help. Well, praise God, we had six people total that, that helped. Uh, uh, 
Warren and Susan, thank you all for helping. And uh, Tokes helped. And then I teamed up with Rhonda over here. And, and so we were a tag team. We were going around. And so we had six people. We knocked out an apartment complex in about two and a half hours. So, so it wasn't bad at all. I didn't want to do it. Saturday, that Saturday morning, I woke up, be honest. I, I did not want to do it. But my years of spiritual training kicked in and said, you're getting up and you're going to do this. Right? Number one, you're the pastor. You got to go, you got to go do this. Kind of like the story of that man that woke up and said, his wife said, hey, get up. It's time for church. We got to go to church. He said, I'm, I'm not going. So why? Because I, I don't like those people. They're mean. They're not nice. I don't like most of them. Half of them are hypocrites. I don't feel like going. I'm not going to church today. She goes, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so anyways, once I was there, that was the joy of it. All of a sudden, we got to, we got to be Jesus. All of a sudden, your flesh gets kind of kicked to the curb. Well, what did I do? I did like Paul. I, I, I beat my flesh into subjection. In other words, I said, you're getting up. And we went. And probably the fate, my favorite person that we got to deal with, I don't know if you remember, is Josh. He was the one that was walking up to his apartment. And Ron and I said, hey, hey, whoa, where are you going? And Josh had a, one of those small, tiny little cigars, right? But you could tell prior to that cigar, he probably had had him some of the devil's lettuce, right? <laughs> and he was really glazed. And he was, if Cheech and Chong's movies had a scent, that it would smell like Josh, right? I'm just saying that. So we go up and, hey, you want turkey? Would you like turkey? And stuff? Of course, he just, you could see he just was drooling. He's, because he's, he's like, I would love some turkey. Yeah. <laughs> And so Ron's like, you want to cook or you want to cook it or you want to pre-cook? I'll take it pre-cooked. When, you, when are you bringing it? Well, not till Thanksgiving. When is that? Two weeks from now. Okay. So Ron is like, okay, how many of these boxes do you, or how many adults do you have in there? That you could tell, he, it was, I can't remember, but he was like, he's like, five. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And she's like, okay, how many kids? Kids? Yeah, it's a smaller portion. Six. <laughs> and man was hungry. And, uh, and we got to pray with him. And we got to pray and share the love of Jesus and let him know that Jesus loved him and wanted a relationship with him. And I'll say that's the only time I've ever prayed over anyone. And I wanted Whataburger French fries directly after praying for him. I, told, I, was, trying to get, I was trying to get Ron to take, let's take a break and go get some munchies here, man. I'm just, goodness. So here's the payoff. Let's all stand. That'll make you feel better. <laughs> Acts 4, 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Hey, that's, that describes a lot of us, myself included. They marveled. They said, man, look at this. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Why? They were acting just like Jesus. Jesus had made such an impact, and all of a sudden, here comes, here comes Peter and John, and they knew immediately, hey, y'all been with Jesus, because you act just like him. You talk just like him, and that doesn't make sense, because I don't see a degree from the cemetery. Seminary. <laughs> Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome to have a church full of not just believers, but disciples? 
Wouldn't it be awesome to have a pastor that was actually a disciple? To have a praise team that were disciples? Wouldn't it be awesome to be raising our kids up, not just to believe in Jesus, but to be a disciple of Jesus? That our kids grow up knowing everything I got belongs to him, and that's all right. He's going to take care of me. Amen. We're going to continue our discussion. I don't know what shape it's going to look like, what form it's going to look like. I think I got Isaac talked into speaking next week. So he's, he's going to be talking on discipleship. And uh, I'm going to be here because I want to hear it. I slept through his last sermon, but I was medicated. <laughs> Amen. Let's all pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for counting us worthy to be your disciples. I love the fact that the men that you called <laughs> to be your disciples were labeled by other men as uneducated and untrained. They, they weren't prime pickings to be a disciple of any other rabbi, but you counted them worthy to be called. And Lord, that they were no more spiritual giants than us. And yet you've given us the same Holy Spirit you gave them. So teach us. Teach us to be your disciples. Teach us to follow you. Teach us to submit and give you everything in our life. Not just our physical possessions, but every part of our brain, every thought, every opinion, every, every ounce of emotion. Just take it. Let it belong to you. Where if it's in your word, that's it. It's, that's, that's gospel. To not be swayed by the opinions of society, to not be swayed by the pressures of politics, to not be swayed by uh, the influence of media, but to be changed by your word and the truth of your word. Because your word will remain long after, long after media outlets shut down, long after websites close, long after politicians are dead and gone. Your word remains. Teach us, Lord, to be disciples. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more.